0: Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Hayegusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayers that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again, and thank you for listening. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about waiting on God. You know, there's one thing that I've learned in ministry, it's this, that um, God is never in a hurry. Whereas we as pastors and ministry leaders, we seem to always be in a hurry, right? Where we want God to do things, but we find ourselves waiting. Uh, in fact, some of you may very well find that you have just come out of a season of waiting on God or you are presently in a season where you're waiting on God, or you are about to step into a season where you are having to wait on God, right? So so many of us, we're waiting on God for, uh, for a ministry plan to unfold. Some of us are waiting on God to, you know, to complete uh, help us complete a project we're working on either in school or seminary. Some of us are waiting for God to answer our prayers about our church to grow. We all find ourselves waiting for God for different reasons at different seasons. In fact, let me let me ask you this. What are some big prayers? What are some big things that you are waiting on God for? Like, what are you desperately hoping or trusting that God will do in your life in the next few months or next few years? Well, hold on to that thought, right? Um, and as you do, I'll bring it up later. But l- let me jump right into today's episode with the central theme or the big idea that'll flow out of the passage in Genesis chapter five that we're looking at today. And it's this, that God will rarely take you directly to your final destination. Let me say that the key word in there is directly, right? Like, like God rarely takes us directly to our final destination for what we're seeking him for. Um, you, you, what you will find is that many times God will take you on several starts and stops and starts and stops and starts and stops before you get to the final perfect place where he's leading you to. Now, what may seem to you like a delay or a, you know, just a, a holding on may actually be God's preordained waiting room. And in those waiting rooms, we find that God is actually preparing you and equipping you with all the things that you will need to succeed for when God is taking you to that final destination. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about by giving you the example of how airplanes and airlines at airports work. So if you've ever flown out of an airport or on an airplane, then you know that there are certain locations in the world that you cannot get a direct flight to. Like sometimes an airline will fly you on several connecting flights before they get you to your final destination. So sometimes if you want to go west, you get on an airplane that flies south. And when you get south, you wait for 11 hours before catching a connecting flight to go south. And then other times, even when you arrive at your final destination, the plane may not land right away. You may very well be looking at your final airport landing spot but sometimes an air or a top the airline tower will put an airplane in what is known as a holding pattern and basically that airplane just circles the airport in the sky waiting for the perfect door to open up for it to dock into and so God's will for our lives sometimes works like an airline transportation system. You see, sometimes God will take you through an experience that may feel like a, like a detour, that may feel like a deviation, a delay, or even a permanent layover. But the truth is that God is not holding you off or trying to keep you from experiencing his blessing. Many times it's just one of the several stops where God needs to place you in order to prepare you for your final destination. And in other times, like an airport, God may very well keep you in what we describe as that holding pattern, not because you're not ready, but because the place where he's taking you to and the people he's going to connect you to, it's them that are not ready. And so with that understanding as our foundation, let's jump right into God's word in Genesis 5 and let's do a quick survey of the life of a man who I am convinced had the longest wait in all of Scripture. His name is Noah. And his story starts in the book of Genesis chapter 5, verse 28 to 32. Here's what it says. When Lamech, that's Noah's father, by the way, when Lamech had lived for 182 years, he had a son and he named his son Noah. Jump to verse 32. And after Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham and Japheth. All right, uh, I, Noah is one of the most popular stories in one of the Bible in the Bible, right? So let, let, let's let's talk a little bit about. Here are some details about Noah you may not know. First of all, when we meet Noah in the Bible, he is a single man somewhere in his 500s, right? Um, or at least he gets married around that age, which is interesting because for those of you who are wondering what God's will is for your life and when you're going to, Noah did not get his calling in life till he was 500 years old. So just keep that in the back of your mind. So um, he, he is 500 years old. Not only that, he doesn't have his first few kids till around age 500 um which i'm assuming is because he didn't meet his wife till around that time thirdly is around the same time when noah was 500 years old that we read in genesis chapter 6 that god had become so angry by the sinfulness of the affairs of mankind that he was about to hit the restart button by wiping humanity off the face of the map by sending a flood to really cleanse the world and God, in his sovereignty, had chosen to alert Noah about this oncoming disaster and instructed Noah to build this incredibly large ship. Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, God says, Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar, both inside and outside. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. In fact, make sure the boat is 450 feet long. 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, and put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Which, as even as I'm listening to that, I'm like, oh my goodness, what an assignment to get, right? All right, let's jump down to Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 to 4. Because after Noah obeys, it says in Genesis 7, verse 1, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth I can see that you alone are righteous. Verse 4. Seven days from now I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it'll rain for forty days and forty nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I created. Verse 6. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board to escape the flood, he and his wife and his sons and their wives. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth." Alright, so I just gave you the introduction into who Noah is, right? Now, there have been several movies in Hollywood about the life of Noah. And in all of those stories, from the beginning to the end, in all the movies I have watched, When Noah gets his calling to when the rain starts, they usually play it off like it happens in a few days or a few weeks, and I understand that for creative purposes, movies need to be short. But listen, when you read Noah's story in the Bible, all the action in these two chapters that you just heard me read took significantly longer. I mean, talk about waiting. In Genesis chapter 5 and 6, when Noah is instructed to build the ark, he was, we said, 500 years old, right? But when we get to Genesis chapter 7 verse 6, it says, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came. That means a hundred years, a little over a hundred years have passed from the day that God told him about the flood to the actual first rain drop, a hundred years. Here's another set of numbers to consider. In Genesis chapter six, verse three, God says, my spirit will not contend with the sins of humans forever for they are mortal and their days will be 120 years. So this means God is gonna give humanity 120 years time to repent before he destroys the earth. So when you combine that with Noah's age and how long it meant, it meant that Noah actually waited not for a hundred years but for 120 years. I mean, think about that length of time to see God's promise fulfilled. Now whenever I think about Noah, I often think that Noah probably heard from God and thought, oh, the flood's going to happen next week or next month or next or, or in a few in a few weeks. 120 years. Here's something else to consider. When Noah received this call from God, he hadn't had kids yet, he just had them. So that means at least the first 10 to 15 years, that means Noah would have had to have been building this ark all by himself. It means that he would have been all by himself when he picked up that first axe to go cut down that first cypress tree, because remember, everyone else on earth was corrupt, so nobody is offering him any help. In fact, let me give you some perspective on the culture Noah lived in. And let's keep in mind, we're still talking about how to wait on God, right? And we're looking at Noah's life as an example of what it means to patiently wait on God. And we're going to learn several things about how to wait in our lives based on the story. But uh, to give you some perspective on the culture that Noah lived in, think about this. Noah lived in what is known as ancient Mesopotamia. And ancient Mesopotamia is a desert-like desert like stretch of land. Basically, it's very dry. So so large ships and large bodies of waters were not a common sight. In fact, it's very probable that prior to the flood, many in that generation had never even seen rain before. And so if that's the case, and there's plenty of reason to believe it is, think about how strange and how ridiculous this instruction from God must have sounded to Noah. I mean, think about the mockery and the insults that he would have received during those 120 years as his neighbors were watching this crazy man build this giant house that he was saying that there's a rain gonna come. Not only that, how do you even warn people about disaster with a sense of urgency when it's not gonna happen for 120 years? You know, um, uh, oh, here's, here's another. I think this is probably the biggest one. Most of us have somehow come to believe that Noah was in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights, right? If you ask any Sunday school kid how long Noah was in the ark or how long it rained, they would say 40 days and 40 nights. The truth though, is that according to Genesis chapter 7, verse 11 to 13, and Genesis chapter 8, verse 14 to 20, the reality is that Noah and his family were actually in the ark somewhere around 12 months. That's a whole year. That's a whole year where they were on the boat. If you read those accounts, it explains that he was actually there longer than those 40 days. Not only that, think for a second about all the questions that would have been going through Noah's mind as he and his family sat in that boat and 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 people are drowning on the outside. Things are being destroyed. I don't know if you've ever been in a heavy rainstorm before that I don't mean like just heavy rain, but heavy rain that destroys uh, that, that that heavy wind that destroys buildings it it knocks over. it's very scary. it's violent. So think about all the um, the, the mental uh, anguish that Noah and his family would have experienced while they were waiting in that giant waiting room. Remember, God did not tell them how long the flood was gonna be. All that God said was, get on the boat. And so among the many questions that would have been on his Noah's mind was, was when, when will this rain stop? How long will it rain for? Will there be anything left after the flood? Where are we going to live? What's going to happen to our house? Will there be enough food, enough trees, enough space for all these young animals to live? What about, here's a question I've always thought about that Noah must have asked. What are we going to do with all those drowned bodies that we're going to find? So, I mean, all of these things are going through this. So, this was a really difficult season of him having to wait. Not only, I mean, only God knows, uh, only Noah and his family knows how much God helped them resolve these difficult, questions. Now, we do know, based on scripture, that the floods eventually receded, the land dried up, and Noah and his family eventually came out of it. But let's talk about, in light of how Noah had, how long Noah had to wait to get on this boat and all that he experienced, let's talk about some things that you and I can learn about waiting on God. Because obviously, waiting is not easy. Not only is waiting not easy, but sometimes it's traumatic, right? Um, So lesson number one, about waiting on God is this. Number one, every waiting room or every season of waiting in your life has a start time and has an end time. You are not waiting forever. You're not stuck in this season forever. There's a timeline for everything and a set season for every activity under the sun, and that should encourage you. There is a time to celebrate, and a time to mourn. God is appointed there to be a time to celebrate, and a time to mourn. God is appointed there to be a time to be still and rest in the fact that God is in charge, and there is a time to get on your knees in prayer and fasting and ask God to bring things to fruition. There is a time to hope and dream about your dream job, and there is a time to roll up your sleeves and knock relentlessly on doors for God to open those doors. There is a time to shut up about a matter. There is a time to boldly speak up about that same matter. In Noah's case, there was a time for him to hear from God, and there was a time for him to act on faith. There was a time for him to build an ark, and there was a time for him to gather his family to safety. And for those people outside the boat when the flood started, there was a time to repent of their sins and there was a time for them to die. And as you'll find out eventually when you read Noah's story, uh, there's apparently a time when you can get drunk and there's a time when your children will reap the repercussions of you getting drunk. The point is this, no one season is permanent in your life. It's called a season, which means this too shall pass. God is continually molding you, shaping you, and moving you to the next destination. And some of you may be longer in this particular season than you're comfortable with, but those seasons are never a waste, and they too will surely pass. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two we can learn from this story is this, that your waiting room or your season of waiting is designed by God to be a work room. Uh, What I mean by that is this. Waiting on God does not mean inactivity, right? Uh, Noah did not spend 120 years lying around waiting for the day when God would bring an end to humanity. Noah woke up early each morning with his sons working hard to finish building the ark. In addition to all of that physical labor, 2 Peter 2 verse 5 describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness in his generation. This means not only did Noah get up each morning and work hard day and night to finish building the ark, But he also spent countless hours each day pleading and warning people about this impending disaster that's what it means to be a preacher of righteousness i think noah is the most practical example of what it means to work while we're waiting on god's promises to be fulfilled in our lives and even listen even when noah is finally safely in the ark with his family he's still at work remember he was in an ark for somewhere any, from around 12 months. And I don't know if you know this, but animals don't just feed themselves, right? Like, especially if you're on an ark. Any, like, like, can you imagine how much work it would have taken for Noah and his family each day to take care of a full zoo, a floating zoo? You see, Noah's time in that ark was a time of preparation for he and his family for when they eventually started afresh and they got on dry land. Remember, once they came out of the boat, they were the only humans left. And it's from his three sons and his wives and their wives that every people group, every nation, every tongue and tribe that exists today would come from. And so learning to wait and trust on God was a lesson that they all needed to learn in those long months on the ark. So my question for you is this: what areas of your life can you do you need to start working on now while God has you in this season? I know many of you are asking God, what's next? Where am I going? When are you going to lead me there? And God is saying, I'll get you there. But there's some things that I need to teach you. There's some things I need to show you. There's some things I need to create and mold and shape in you because those things are what is going to help you succeed for where I'm taking you to. So that brings me back to the question, what areas of your life do you need to be working on now to prepare you for where God is leading you? Listen, you will find that sometimes the process of preparing for the next stage of your life is the very course of action that will lead you to the payoff that you're trusting God for. In other words, you preparing now and being faithful and working to develop yourself may very well be what God will use to connect you to people and to opportunities for where he wants to take you. So that's the third, that's the second lesson. The third lesson we can learn from Noah in this story is that um, your waiting rooms or your season of waiting should also be turned into prayer rooms. I think I've talked a lot about this earlier, so I'll just say this. Um, for whatever reason, God in His sovereignty has sometimes chosen not to act until His people who are called by His name turn to Him in prayer. Right. So 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 for many of us, it's very possible that you are only a few seasons of prayer away from whatever it is that God has promised to do or that you're waiting on him for. And then last but not least, um, though, it might sometimes feel like God is not on your side when you're waiting and it feels like you're waiting forever. Listen to this point. Number four, God's waiting room is actually God's safest location for you. Let's talk about Noah again, um, because you know, Noah's experience on that Ark was not a comfortable place to live. You know, I've seen cartoon, Bible cartoons where they draw, uh, you know, Noah in the Ark and it's warm and it's cozy and it's nice. It was nothing like that. For example, um, think about this. There are animals on this boat, right? So have you ever walked around an animal shed where cows or cattles are? It stinks, right? It smells. So imagine how smelly it would have been on that Ark. Number two, um, have you ever seen how animals react during a thunderstorm when there's lightning and thunder in a confined space? Uh, Like they they go crazy. So the noise, just, oh, it would have been. My point is this that even as uncomfortable as that ark may have been for Noah and his family, the fact is the ark was the safest place for Noah and his family to be. Why? Because everything happening outside was death. So the ark was indeed the safest place. And many times when you and I, God has us in a holding pattern and we think we wanna rush off to something else, God may very well be telling you, hey, where you are right now that doesn't feel comfortable is the safest place where I can place you before I lead you to where I'm taking you. Listen, it is not God's desire to put a passion in you that he doesn't plan to feed. Your passion and your sense of calling was born in God's heart first before it became something that you desired. And for that reason, you can rest in the fact that God will meet your need. Christ will finish the good work he's begun in you. You know, I mentioned this earlier, but like an airplane that is sometimes delayed mid-air or put in a holding pattern, sometimes uh, God's will sometimes will put you in a holding pattern, not because you're not ready for the next stage, but because where he's leading you to is not yet set for you. Some of you have been praying, you've been crying, wondering why God seems to have forgotten you and as far as you can tell, you've done everything right, you've tried to do everything right, but there's still no movement in your life. I want to challenge you as I wrap this up, as we conclude today's episode. I want to challenge you with this thought, and I want to ask you to consider this. Might God be saying to you, my son or my daughter, I know the plans I have for you, and they're good, and my cause for delay in your life has nothing to do with sin in your life. I'm just working to make the circumstances perfect for you, so that when I move you there, you will be ready to succeed and excel. So trust me. Wait on me and i will get you there man i I wonder how many of you pastors and ministry leaders need to believe that message this afternoon you see god's plan for your life is and has always been good and he has a definite start time and a definite end time for the season of waiting that you're going through he's preparing you and even in waiting he means well Let me pray for you, if that describes you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters who are listening to this podcast, wherever they may be, especially those who find themselves in a season of waiting. I pray, oh God of comfort, that you would encourage, you would strengthen them, and you would remind them that you have never left them and will never forsake them. I pray that as they find themselves in this season of waiting, that you would help them wait well. Everything that they will need in this season to help them succeed where they're you're taking them to, God, help them develop it, help them grow, help them become spiritually mature, help them pick up all the talents and skills they'll need to excel where they're taking them. Turn their sorrow to joy. Turn their hopelessness to great faith in you. And in your perfect time, O God of heaven, lead them into the mission and the calling that you're destined for their lives. And it's in Jesus' name. And amen. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review and give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up. With you next week, stay close to Christ.